Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, dollar bills, hundred dollar bills. <laughs> uh, nice. That's a really obscure song. If you guys, if you guys recognize that, let me know. And my roommate from college does not count because he's the one who introduced me to it. Yeah, this this podcast is not going to be about the Benjamins. No, but it's about currency. Uh, it's about a digital currency called Bitcoin. Yeah. So all the all of all of you who have been asking us about uh, Bitcoin, about Bitcoin, this is it. Yes. So uh, we have an article on the site about how currency works, which is useful to to kind of get a background on this. Keep in mind, you know, currency is sort of based upon just a, a mutual agreement among everybody that a representation of wealth actually is worth something. Yes. Uh, because you know we we all recognize that there are certain products out there that we either need or want, and we recognize there are also services that we need or want, and there's stuff that we can provide, and that by providing some things, we can get other things, and that way we all can live. Well, currency is just a, a method of exchange so that you can get those services or, or products without having to do a direct exchange because that gets messy. The yes. barter system is not really easy to navigate. Yes, I can't think of a thing that I, I could really do, uh, well, maybe a couple small things I could do to, uh, convince a computer manufacturer to give me a new computer. Right. How many over chickens barter. is an Xbox 360? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it can be a very useful thing. Although, um, at one time, for example, the, uh, the United States, um, currency system was based on the gold standard. You could take a dollar bill, uh, to the, uh, the exchange and get Mm-hmm. A dollar's worth of gold, um, and you would need a microscope to see it. But um, that was the way it used to work, and that is not the way it works anymore. Um, that has been changed for several decades. So now at this point... Of course, you could have always argued that the value of gold was arbitrary anyway. So really it was a piece of paper representing value of a mineral that represented value... <laughs> Yes. So in other words, you're, you're ruining like, the magic, Jonathan. I'm just saying that eventually you get to the point where currency is based upon a shared delusion among everybody and that if we all sat there and said, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> it would all fall apart. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. It's it's a medium of exchange. And uh, for the most part, um, we, you know, the people of Earth are, are doing business with money that is uh, backed by a government of some type or in, in some cases, you know, a, a coalition of governments like, yeah. for example, the euro. The euro, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. usually you've got some sort of, of uh, state-backed currency. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, back in the old, old, old days, currency, of course, was uh, made out of precious metals, which, again, were precious because they were pretty and they were hard to get. Those, yeah. those scarcity... And, and, uh, and pretty are two of the things that really fell into the old currency system. Yeah. And of course, at one time, salt was a medium of exchange. Sure. That's um, where we get salary. Exactly. That's what I get my salary in. I don't know about you. Big blocks of salt. Exactly. Yeah. It's salt lake. 
delicious. That explains that that big salt crystal at your desk. It's not just a great barbecue joint. <laughs> um, so so yeah. So currency is all based upon various people agreeing that whatever the medium of exchange is actually has value. Yeah. Right. So that's going to lead us. And just a side note: Have you ever heard of of Joshua Abraham Norton? That name does sound familiar, but I don't. I can't place it. Also known as Imperial Majesty Emperor Norton the First. No, he was a, an eccentric. Uh, that's one way of saying it. Uh, crazy is another way. He essentially declared himself uh, an emperor of the United States uh, while living in Sa- San Francisco. Uh, okay, that's why it sounds familiar. Yeah, he. One of the things he did. He was he was kind of this eccentric, celebrated guy living in the 19th century San Francisco. Uh, one of the things he did was he printed his own money. He printed his own money, and uh, local merchants would some of them would accept it. They mm-hmm. would accept his local. They, you know, they thought he was an interesting character, and they would accept his money and and sell him goods with his money, which meant that his currency, at least on a micro level, was valid mm-hmm. because two parties, at least two parties, agreed that that particular method of currency had value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just shows you how tenuous. <laughs> The concept of currency really is. Now let's move on to Bitcoin. I just had to give uh, Emperor Norton a shout out. Well, I figured you the next uh, person of interest in this discussion would probably be Satoshi Nakamoto. Yes, who is the inventor of Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin is a digital currency. It's not the only digital currency out there. There are a lot of digital currencies that are connected to uh, various games or virtual worlds. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you could even argue things like uh, like Xbox points on the Xbox Live Marketplace are kind of a digital currency. Um, yeah, the Facebook all, credits. Facebook credits. Yeah, there are other versions out there. Although Linden a lot dollars. of these, Linden dollars was the one I was mainly thinking of. That's of course Second Life, right? Uh-huh. Linden dollars. Yeah. So there are other digital currencies out there, but most of these tend to be very um, uh, uh, contained, right? There's only right. there's only a tiny little niche. Marketplace where you can you can spend this currency, yeah. um, and otherwise it has really not much value. You usually can't resell the 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 digital currency to get real quote unquote real money back. Yeah, I mean you can, um, for example, with uh, if you have ten euros, you can uh, you know have a service that your friend gives you. Say you know, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. Uh, uh, I'll help you move your stuff from your old apartment to your new apartment if you give me money for beer. Okay, well, here's, you know, here's 10 euros. And f- for that person, then he can take that, you know, that 10 euro note and go spend it at a store or and get pay a really friend. good, get really good beer because you're apparently in Europe and, uh, <laughs> and the beer there is so much better than in America. Oh, people can write to Jonathan. Oh, come okay. on. Everyone knows that. Well, I buy European beer, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can use that in many places or you could take it to a bank and exchange it for Japanese yen or, you know, yes. American dollars or, or wherever. But if you buy, um, uh, go to the, uh, department store and buy one of those Facebook credit cards, <laughs> cards with Facebook credits. Yeah. Um, and you, Enter that in your Facebook account. You can't get that back and go exchange it for Japanese yen. Once it's in Facebook, it's in that world. Yeah. And that's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, uh, also there tends another element that tends to happen with a lot of these currency exchanges is there's a transaction fee. 
Yes. Um, there may be transac- several transaction fees depending upon the nature of the transaction. If you're purchasing something, there may be a transaction fee charged by the financial institution that is overseeing the transaction, assuming that you're not using cash. Right. right. Let's take cash out of the element, out of the, out of this because digital currency kind of falls between cash and, uh, credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it's in this world that's sort of a vague, defined world right in the middle. Um, so cash is, uh, there are a lot of different benefits to cash. Cash means that depending on the nature of the transaction, you may be not paying taxes on something. Right. Right. I mean, that's why a lot of people like to do cash transactions. It means that there's no, uh, there's not necessarily a a paper trail. It allows you to make a transaction between two individuals without a third party intervening. Um, when you're using credit, then that's different because there's now a trail there, and there may be, you, you know, you may have to have taxes uh, come into play so that you can not break the law. Plus, you know, with uh, point-of-sale terminals, there's no risk of skimming your credit card or debit card number if you are paying with cash. Yeah. Uh, So the risk of identity theft is lower. And also it's more anonymous. Yes. So two people meet with cash. You don't, you know, cash is an agreed-upon currency. It's it's. That's fine. You've you've purchased whatever it was you're purchasing, whether it's a service or a good, and it is not – again, there's no trail leading to that transaction – now, with creds, much more, uh, it's much different. The anonymity factor is taken out of it. Digital coins are kind of, a, or Bitcoin is kind of a in between. It, there's a, there's some anonymity built in, um, and there's a, a, an ability to do a person to person transaction so that there's not a third party involved in this. So again, you can purchase stuff essentially tax free, depending on the vendor that you're going to or the person, you know, whomever it is that has agreed to sell you the service or product. Um, and it also, uh, unfortunately, Bitcoin has also been used, and this is kind of one of the, the more uh, uh, sensationalized elements of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It's been used in illegal uh, uh, transactions. For example, um, uh, purchasing drugs. That's been yeah. in the news recently where people have started to adopt the Bitcoin currency in order to purchase uh, illegal substances. And the reason for it is because there's no – it's not going through any official channels. Uh, you can even purchase stuff across country lines because, again, it's a digital currency. It's not a physical currency. So if, let's say, your supplier – is in another country, you can purchase something through Bitcoins on an agreed upon amount. And then uh, that person gets the Bitcoins. They can then tran- transfer those Bitcoins either into a, uh, you know, they can either use those Bitcoins to buy something else that they want, or they can try to sell the Bitcoins to someone else for an agreed upon amount of money, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting. I mean, the, the finding out how much Bitcoins are trading for as in, in relation to established currencies is a, a kind of an interesting situation. That's the part that I have the hardest uh, time understanding. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we determine how much a Bitcoin is worth to us in our in dollars, for example, or euros? Right, right. Well, um, from what I've read, the value of Bitcoin right now is subject to a lot of speculation. Yeah. Um, 
As in speculators. Yeah, as in people who are investing in Bitcoin because they believe that this is something that's going to really take off and and be successful, and therefore they can make a lot of money if they get in on the ground floor. Yeah, sort of like uh, sort of like the stock market is in a lot of cases. Like um, you'll see that with initial pub- public offerings of stock, um, people will uh, an IPO will take off immediately, especially for a lot of the tech companies. If you watch that. Um, people say, oh, well, you know, XYZ Industries, they make that cool software. Everybody's going to want that. So I think the stock is going to go up. I'm going to buy as soon as it comes out because it'll never be lower. It'll only go up. Um, and so that's sort of what we're talking about. Now, um, the weird thing about Bitcoin is that it's made by you or could be made by you. Yeah, it's... um. You actually have to mine bitcoins, but mining in this sense, it's it's kind of interesting. What what uh, what Bitcoin does is it kind of emulates what an actual mining operation would be like in the mm-hmm. sense that let's say that you are a prospector for gold back in the old gold rush. Okay, and you find a vein of gold. Eureka! And you start you start mining that gold for all it's worth. Well, of course, the more you mine, the less gold there is, right? Mm-hmm. And then you eventually get to a point where you're having to put forth a lot of effort to get a little amount of gold because you've already mined the m- most of the gold out. Yeah. And uh, then you start to have to make decisions of, is the effort I'm putting forward worth the amount of gold that I'm getting back? Right. Well, the, the Bitcoin system emulates that. And it's such an interesting process. So essentially what's going on is that it's a peer-to-peer network. Now that means that uh, in order to be a part of mining bitcoins, you join this this network of other users and your computer ends up making connections with other computers trying to solve a hash problem. Mm-hmm. And a hash problem is when you take... Uh, at least two figures and you make another figure from them and then you have to uh you have to to solve some problem related to that new figure and in this case um the way bitcoins works is that there are 50 bitcoins released at at specific intervals right and if your computer solves the hash of that particular for that particular group you get the 50 coins okay now Early, early on in this, remember, it was launched in 2009. Early on in this, it was relatively easy to solve the hash. And by solving the hash, this is the same sort of process that uh, a lot of uh, uh, networked computer, like grid computing systems use, Mm -hmm. where you connect and are are folding proteins or something along those lines. Or or, uh, back in the old SETI program, you would – I hate to say the old SETI program, but we're talking about no more funding for it. But you would uh, uh, have your computer – uh, analyze radio signals for any potential actual, like, um, intended radio signal as opposed to just random noise. Right. Um, your computer would work on this problem and then send results back to a master system, which would collate all that and then analyze it. Well, that's sort of the same thing that's going on with Bitcoin, except instead of trying to solve a, an actual problem problem, what you're doing is you're trying to mine these coins. And in the early days, you didn't have to have that much processing power to do it. But as more and more processors joined the network, more and more uh, uh, nodes in this peer-to-peer network joined, then the problem would get progressively more complicated. 
to the point now where um, actually uh, if you go to the Bitcoin website and you read about mining, it says that uh, most Bitcoin users don't mine at all because it's very competitive and you've got people who are building machines, computers designed specifically to be Bitcoin miners. And they're using, uh, they're using powerful processors, including, uh, and not, not CPUs. They're using graphics, graphics cards, cards yeah. processors. Yeah. GPUs. Because they're faster to solve the kind of type of problems that are, that Bitcoin depends upon for mining. Mm-hmm. So the odds of you solving the problem of, uh, or your computer, I should really say, your processor solving the problem of that particular batch of 50 Bitcoins is very low. And it uh, gets lower every time someone joins on with an even more powerful machine. And again, this is where we get into that that analogy of mining for gold. Eventually, you're talking about spending so much money building and maintaining a machine, including things like p- paying for electricity, that it doesn't make sense to keep going. It it you know you're spending more money than you would earn through mining bitcoins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, it's a kind of interesting situation, and also the 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 bitcoins themselves will decrease over time. There's a a, a finite number. I think it's 21 million bitcoins are allowed ever. Yeah, that's a that's a basic law of um, of the markets. I mean, some people. Um, you know, when, when you don't really understand how this works, they'll say, well, I heard that the, you know, we're short $20 million or whatever currency. It's like, why don't they just print more? Well, if you, if you make too many of a currency or you, you have too many, um, uh, certificates of stock for your company, yeah. at some point it begins to devalue. Yes. The institution that is, uh, represented, you know, represented by that. So, um, the more money you print, the less the money is worth. The more right. stock certificates you release Issue. to, yeah. to shareholders, the less the company is worth. So, so it's, so, it's, it's essentially the, 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 the key takeaway there is currency and wealth are two different things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just because you have more currency does not mean you have more wealth mm-hmm. because the wealth is dependent upon the perceived value of that currency and the more currency there is the 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 less value people will perceive in it right which is you know that's why you you can see historic ish problems with uh with massive depressions breaking out across the globe in various eras because uh the the currency would get flooded and mm-hmm. then uh, you would have uh, uh you know you would have a brief moment where everyone appears to be wealthy and then costs would adjust to the amount of currency that was in the market, and then the currency would be practically worthless. Um, actually, that may be what happened to Spain after the um, uh, the the discovery of the New World and the expansion into into really exploiting the New World and pulling the the um, the the wealth back over to Europe. People ask, well, what happened to all that gold that Spain was mining and and shipping back to? Uh, Spain, you know, from right. the New World. What happened to it? Well, a lot of what happened to it was it, it, some of it sunk, some of it was stolen, but a lot of it made it way, its way back to Spain. And people say, well, then Spain later on suffered some really, some real economic hardship. Well, you get all this influx of, of gold in there and it devalues the gold. Right. You know, so suddenly, yes, you've got all this precious material, but it's no longer as precious because there's more of it. There's that scarcity problem. Mm-hmm. So by capping bitcoins at 21 million, there's already 
a, a, a finite limit. You're not going to make any more after that. Um, and as more blocks are are solved, uh, the the problems are contained in blocks. As more of these problems are solved, uh, then fewer coins will be released over time. So remember I said that they'd be released in 50 coin batches. Right. Well, after a certain number of blocks are solved, that gets reduced to 25. Mm-hmm. Coins, and then after that, it, so it's half the amount, right? Right. Same sort of thing. After each time it gets closer to the uh, the the end, it's going to have again and half again and half again. Now it's not infinitely divisible. Uh, bitcoins can be divisible down to uh, to an eight to eight digits. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of like eight bits you could think of. Um, so uh, it's not going to continue ad infinitum, there will come a point where the last Bitcoins will essentially be re- released. Um, uh, so, you know, you're not going to end up with like a Bitcoin, like point zero 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 one Bitcoins, and then it right. gets divided again by another tenth. Right, um, right. That's not going to happen. Um, the, it's To me, it's an interesting concept. I still, I still... Frankly, I grapple with this a bit, but it's probably from a more philosophical standpoint than technical. I understand mm-hmm. technically. Um, well, well, there is quite a bit of technology uh, involved in it to make it more sturdy, if you will. Yeah. Um, because while there is some anonymity involved, there is a signature that goes along with a Bitcoin transaction. Yeah, there's a public key and a private key encryption uh, that's involved in this. And every single transaction is recorded. Yes. Um, and becomes part of a history of transactions that then is a part of every future transaction. Yeah. So it's not so much to track people's purchases and what they buy. So, you know, you, uh, there, there are many companies that, that take Bitcoin, although yeah. most of them are, I, I didn't see anybody who wasn't an independent company taking Bitcoin. I didn't read, uh, every, <laughs> uh, a list of every company. Yeah, and a lot of them have bit in the name, which yeah. suggests that their business was built around this yeah. currency in the first place. But I've seen, I saw that some web hosting providers yeah. uh, use it. So let's say, uh, you know, you, uh, pay for a month's worth of web hosting with Bitcoin. Um, people aren't going to go, hmm, Jonathan just bought web hosting with, you know, basically what they want to do is verify the authenticity of it and make sure that no one is counterfeiting. Right. Because if it's a, if it's a digital, if it's a digital currency, then what stops you from, say, making as many as you want or sending or, or trying to spend the same Bitcoin twice. Right. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the big issues. That's why it has to be, um, uh, why it has to be recorded. So every single transaction has the history of all transactions as part of it. Now it, that, that data gets kind of compressed and hashed. So it's not getting, you know, it's not growing exponentially with every single purchase. But the, the, the idea here is that, uh, it will prevent people from trying to spend the same currency multiple times just because it's in digital format. Uh-huh. And that's an important element. I mean, it's, um, there are other problems that have popped up around Bitcoin. For example, a lot of vendors now will no longer, um, or a lot of, a lot of Bitcoin traders will now lo- no longer make payments to PayPal accounts in return for Bitcoins. Yeah. Uh, because, 
um, or will no longer no longer uh, accept PayPal accounts in return for Bitcoin. So let's say I'm a Bitcoin trader and I've got all these Bitcoins and someone comes to me and they say, uh, I want to purchase some Bitcoins. Uh, I want 20 Bitcoins and I want it at the trading rate that is going right now, which is you know, like $13 American or whatever. Um, let's make this transaction happen and I'll pay you through PayPal. Well, the problem that's been coming up is that these these vendors will sell the bitcoins and will the transaction will complete and then some unscrupulous people would then contact PayPal and complain stating that they made a purchase but didn't receive anything in return and bitcoin you know it's this digital stuff it's just bits it's information it's it's not a physical thing and PayPal's response may be to stop the payment on that and then the person may may close out their PayPal account and essentially what they've done is stolen some bitcoins so a lot of the the traders the big traders for bitcoins uh, won't accept PayPal payments anymore mm-hmm. all right because it's just you know it's it's too risky so again, we're getting into that level between the anonymity and freedom of cash and the um, the 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 trappings that are all around using credit. Because of course, if you're using credit, not only are you being tracked, but you're also spending extra money just to purchase whatever it is you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read an article um, by John Evans at TechCrunch about Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, and uh, according to what he said, the uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation is now accepting donations using Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently they are, that organization is um, about basically freedom of expression and, um, you know, protecting your personal rights online. And I, from what I've read, the organization likes the idea of Bitcoin because there isn't a government behind it. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, if you, uh, you can't have your assets frozen by a government. Yeah. Because Bitcoin isn't part of a government. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting thought. Um, on the other hand, if it's, you know, there, there's a flip side to everything. And if it's being used to fund illegal activities or, you know, a war machine, maybe that's not such and, a good thing. I and don't know. Some, it all depends on, you know, ethics and legality are two different things. Sure. Right. Yeah. So let's say that you live in a, a country that is, has a repressive government, uh-huh. and there are specific things that are not allowed to be um, sold through normal means. Which means that you know you'd have to go to some sort of black market to buy something that in another country you could purchase legitimately with no problem. Right, right. Then the Bitcoin uh, transaction may give an avenue for that person to purchase such a thing without it ever being uh, seen by that government. Absolutely. And so you're talking about clandestine buying at that point, and you're kind of undermining a financial system. Uh, so some people who adopt Bitcoin are doing it specifically because they see it as sort of the subversive way to undermine the status quo that uh, mm-hmm. that they feel is either corrupt or, or inefficient or whatever, you know, whatever reason they have in their minds that says, I don't want to be a part of this system anymore. I think the system is broken. I want to use this other system that's not dependent upon a state. Yeah. Um, you've got a lot of people interested in Bitcoin for that. So you've got your, your speculators mm-hmm. who just, who are looking at Bitcoin as a way to make money. Some actually literally in this case. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, although I guess I shouldn't say literally the money is there. They're not making it. They're just uncovering it. Right? Yes. Uh, but then um, you've got the people who are using it because they want access to things that they normally could not get through 
quote unquote legitimate means. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the people who just don't have any faith or trust in any institution. And so they want to avoid using those institutions as much as possible. Uh, now, again, the whole value of Bitcoin exists only so far as people agree that it exists. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, why does Bitcoin have a value? Because people agree that it has a value. If, if vendors were not accepting Bitcoins in return for goods and services, then that currency would be worthless. So there's nothing intrinsic about Bitcoin that makes it a desirable, valuable thing, except that we agree that it does. Right. Which blows my mind. But then so does currency. Currency blows my mind. I mean, any, any time you get away from, once you start moving away from the, the dem- demonstrable, this has value to me because blah, 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 um, then my brain starts to hurt. And also I start looking at my 401k. <laughs> and I think, I hope I got enough chickens to get that Xbox 360. <laughs> Cause you know what? Bioshock is coming out soon and I want to play that game. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's just safe to say that the Xbox 360 is a lot less messy than those chickens will be. Yeah. So you'll be so happier once that exchange is made. The moral of the story is don't count your bitcoins before they're mined. Uh, all right. Well, uh, do you have anything else to add about this? Not after that joke. Okay. Well, th- this is a really fascinating subject and there's, there's plenty on the net. Uh, that you can read, you can read up on, on for Bitcoin, including things such as the actual mechanics of what goes into making it work, the uh, the nature of the hash problem that computers have to try and solve in order to mine Bitcoins, the type of rigs that people build to mine rig, uh, Bitcoins, the various vendors out there, the whole political philosophy behind people who have adopted Bitcoin. All of that stuff is out there on the web. It's a huge topic of discussion. And if you're interested, interested I do recommend checking out some more um, uh, information on that. And of course, like I said at the beginning of the show, we have how currency works at howstuffworks.com if you yeah. just want to get a good grounding of the basis of currency, uh, period. Because I mean, that you kind of need that in order to go beyond and start understanding the, the workings of Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any other big topics you would like us to tackle, let us know. You can send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can send us an email, and that address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Breaking news, everyone. So um, we recorded this podcast a few weeks ago at the time that I'm recording this update, and some stuff has happened with Bitcoin that we really need to address. Uh, first of all, there was a hacking attempt, a successful one, against a currency exchange uh, company that handled Bitcoin operations called Mt. Gox, G-O-X. And uh, it was not a, an attack directly against Bitcoin. Bitcoin itself and the peer-to-peer network and all of that remained secure but through getting the the account information through this currency exchange company the hackers were able to essentially um well steal about 100,000 bitcoins and then immediately start to sell them off which caused the value of bitcoins to plummet it was trading at around $17 a coin and dropped down to essentially 
nothing. Uh, since then, the the value has stabilized. The company, the Mt. Gox, has managed to uh, to freeze all the accounts, and at the recording of this update, is trying to roll out uh, the accounts again to users, requiring them to create a new strong password, um, and is essentially refunding everyone the money that they would have lost. Um, but in, also in that process, shortly after the, the attack, another big event happened. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF, which had been accepting donations in Bitcoin format, decided to drop that. They are no longer accepting Bitcoin donations. Now, their reasons for doing so uh, are not directly tied to the hacking uh, uh, attack, although the timing is very coincidental. Uh, they're more tied to things like concerns about the legality of Bitcoin in the sense that a lot of people are using, or maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people, some people are using Bitcoins to create illegal transactions, whether that's to purchase illegal goods or services or to try and circumvent taxation laws uh, or other laws. That's beside the point. The The point is that the EFF did not want it to look like they were endorsing a currency that might have questionable legality. And so they have backed away from that. Now, the EFF is all about protecting freedoms on the Internet. So they champion causes like net neutrality and privacy. So for them to back away from this currency is kind of a big deal, at least within the the Internet elite circles. Uh, will this actually spell the end of Bitcoin? I don't think so. I think that Bitcoin has enough support from other parties where it's going to keep going. It might actually slow down adoption of Bitcoin. So it, you may not see more vendors and, and other providers popping on to accept Bitcoins quickly. It might take a while. But it's important to remember, again, that this was not a direct attack against the service itself. It was an attack against one of the preliminary vendors. Um, although it does once again illustrate the importance of computer security and how vulnerable things on the Internet can be to hackers. And as we all know, there are plenty of hackers out there from all different walks of life, including professional hackers to just script kiddies who are running some stuff that they found online. Anything that's going to be online is going to be uh, prone to to attack. Uh, whether or not it can stand up to those attacks is another matter entirely. So... Bottom line, do your research. Make sure that whatever it is you are uh, investing in, whether it's Bitcoin or some other property, has good security. And even in this case, when it wasn't Bitcoin itself that was the problem, your investment might take a hit for a while. But uh, if if we're all careful and we're all smart then hopefully we rebound from that pretty quickly. So that's the update on the news. And by the time this goes live, there may be even more developments. But uh just thought we should uh, address that since otherwise the podcast would sound horribly out of date. This is Jonathan signing off. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?